0: Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now,
1: we're live on the web.
0: Well, when it seems like God isn't answering your prayers, I guess there's really one of two ways that you can respond. Uh, You could get bitter and angry and take it out on God or just assume he doesn't care, he isn't listening, you challenge him. ...to a cosmic showdown, write them off... ...just kind of vent your frustrations that way... Um, ...or you could allow that, perhaps... ...just perhaps... ...you've missed some signs along the way... <laughs> that, ...that maybe God has been listening... ...and has heard your requests... ...and has actually been responding to them all along... ...providing guidance, actually giving you signs... ...but you've actually not been in a position... ...or a state of mind to actually see or hear them... ...to actually hear His voice which usually is more of a gentle whisper than a loud roar, (laughs) and you're the poorer for it. Does God talk back? (laughs) I mean, we've said all along that prayer is a two-way conversation between our Creator God and us, His creatures. Or as Jesus framed it, a father listening and responding to His beloved children. That's how Jesus framed it. And so as we conclude tonight with part four of vertical or communicating with God, we're faced with the challenge of hearing God's voice. Now, many of you over the last few weeks have taken the risk of actually speaking to God. Some of you for the first time, some of you for the first time in a long time, and uh, you've been just kind of, some of you just kind of like, you want to use this fall to reignite your prayer life, kind of jumpstart it. It's one of the first things that kind of fizzles out in the Christian life. And you put your heart out there, and the prayer requests that we've had on liquidchurch.com, on the blog, they continue to, to pour in this week. I, and I want to thank you, first off, for how just, like, just very honest and open and just authentic, that you guys were in laying bare your soul, like your, your need, your deep desires before God, for marriage restoration, for a spouse, for a mate, someone to share life with, for, for healing and forgiveness in a family, for a job, for a home, for a down payment for a home. When you lay out your heart like that before God, we're, we know, Jesus says, your father cherishes that. And the more you do it, the better, right? Ask, seek, and knock, don't give up. And that's really what it means to know somebody. This isn't like uh, some magical realm, because when you unveil yourself and give someone a glimpse of your heart, and they in turn give you a glimpse into theirs, that's called friendship. That's intimacy. It's what you do over a cup of coffee. And it's actually the relationship with our daddy God that we're designed to share. Yet it's the two-way thing for at least me that causes the most problems. And I know for many of you, I mean, it's one thing to talk with a friend over coffee, you know, I tell you, I tell Chad something, he responds, Chad talks, I listen, then I respond to what he said, just kind of audible words exchanged back and forth. That's the currency of human conversation. Yet with God, it's a little different because most folks don't typically hear God's voice, at least in an, in an audible way. Nikki, I'm speaking to you. Yeah. Have you heard that, had that lately, Nick, just from Tommy, your husband, not from God. <laughs> Now, that does happen. I've had a few friends, actually, who have definitely have had kind of a God encounter like that. Like, Tim, God spoke to me. It was clear as day. And he said, and it's entirely possible. But in my experience, it's, pr- it's pretty rare and not often the norm for, for many of my believing friends. But in fact, if you are sometimes suspicious of folks who, like, hear voices, like he hears voices or hears God's voice, I can understand why. It's always kind of funny to me, like, whenever I've heard someone say, hey, dude, I got to talk to you. I got a word from God for you. You know, God told me something to tell you. And whenever that happens, I'm always like, why do I always get the feeling that what's about to follow means more work for me? (laughs) Like, if God spoke to you, why was he talking about me? (laughs) Anyway, God loves gossip, all right. Anyway... (laughs) Maybe you are someone who distinctly hears God's voice from time to time, and that's not my, been my experience with God, and it's, and it's open, certainly, to abuses or distortions, so you have to be careful with that. But, but on the other hand, shouldn't we expect at least to hear from God regularly, at least get an impression or a sense of what he's thinking and what, 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 to what we're praying? I mean, too often it is a one-way street, <laughs> I saw a perfect picture of this in the mall this past week. Colin and I take the kids to the mall on Monday, and you know what time of year it is. We go to the Jersey Gardens Mall. And on Monday, it's like, it's like do any of you work? What are you all doing here? <laughs> but guess who's sitting in a, in a big throne in the middle of the mall? Because after it all, it is November 19th, right? Santa Claus, right? Red velvet suit. White beard, and the kids are lined up. I'm like, it's, it's November 14th. What are you talking about? And he's there for, you know, kids to sit on his lap, and they take a picture and everything. They tell him what they want for Christmas. Big line. And as each one got up, you know, the guy that they, you know, kind of had with the beard, he, you know, he does the class. and goes, ho, ho, ho. What do you want, little boy? And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. And then the little girl gets up and goes, ho, ho, ho. What do you want, little girl? And he does the same thing for everyone and everyone. And so as we stood there watching kids get on his lap, and, you know, our kids were like, we want to get on his lap. We're like, no, 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 just, just enjoy. Just soak this all in. We, uh, we'll take a picture from, like, a distance, you know, like, kind of get you guys in the frame. Um, we're not paying. Uh, <laughs> this one girl gets up. She gets on Santa's lap, and Santa barely even gets out of his mouth. He's like ho, 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 what are you, and this little girl's like, off to the rates, and she's like, I want a door, I want a razor scooter, I want a tickle me Elmo, I need a new dollhouse, I want Polly Pocket Princess set, I want Belle, I want Beast, I want Ariel. action figures, not the mini stretchable kind, the big one, and I want, and Santa's like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> he literally didn't get a word in edgewise, literally, she just, and then the best part was, we're just like, flabbergasted, we didn't think this girl could speak, and she jumps off his lap, gives him a kiss, and she goes, thanks Santa, and she goes on her merry way out, <laughs> and Santa's like, ho, 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 next, you know? <laughs> and, and I stood there watching that thinking, I wonder if that's how God sometimes feels when we talk with him, when we pray. Like, it's a tender thing and all, and God does want us to make our requests known, but at times, it's like we cuddle up on Daddy's lap and then just kind of rush through a laundry list of stuff that's going on in our lives, but, but don't really stick around long enough to even hear his response. I mean, do we ever really make ourselves available to hear what's on his heart, <laughs> Unfortunately, that's rare for most of us. And so prayer becomes this monologue, not a runny, you know, not a true dialogue or two-way street where God gets to know us better and we get to know his heart as well. At the outset of the series, I asked you to rate yourself kind of on God's calling plan. Remember this? To kind of gauge your prayer life. We took a look at, you know, people with zero dial tone, never prayed before in their life. The hotline to heaven types like Chad, you know, or direct caller. Uh, Most of us were in the, you know, five to six range kind of, you know, my connection with God has moments of high clarity. But then there are like dead spots I kind of go through there. And um, and the challenge was to invest these four weeks this fall to grow. To kind of reboot your prayer life and go at least one click up. And my guess is that your success in going to the next level is really based on two things. One, how honest you've been able to get in talking with God. And many of you have. That is awesome. How just regularly and openly you just kind of began talking to your Father and spending time starting the day. So I mean, you emailed me and you are like, I started a day four days out of five on my knees last week. If you've been coming, you know what the significance of that is. Kind of get out, of the, not let your feet hit the floor, but it's right on your knees saying, I'm dependent. Declaration of dependency this week. If you don't show up today, my day is a waste. Awesome. But the second piece is how well you've been able to hear his voice in response, because that's going to get old really quick. (laughs) And that's usually why, you know, good efforts at prayer kind of fizzle out, because after a while, you just go, like, I just, you know, it's, I'm doing all the talking. Do you ever hear what God's saying? That's where the rub is for most of us. How do you hear God's voice? How do you even put yourself in a position to do that? Well, I want to invite you to turn to our text for tonight, and it's in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, and it's on page 433 in the Pew Bibles. Would you pass them down so everybody has a a blue Bible in front of them? And um, Samuel lived in a time, this is actually about a boy at this point named Samuel. He became a prophet later on. But Samuel lived in a time when people were having a hard time hearing from God, And this passage, will explain this, but this little vignette of a young man trying to tune in to God's frequency is instructive for us. A little bit more lights, Nick, just so people can see. Tiny bit more. Thank you. I'd like us to read this together, and then we'll unpack and see. Perfect. And we'll see how it applies to us. Okay? So 1 Samuel 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And let's read the message version. That's in the right-hand column under the heading, Speak, God. I'm ready to listen. Verse 1. The boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. This was at a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. One night, Eli was sound asleep. His eyesight was very bad. He could hardly see. And it was well before dawn. The sanctuary lamp was still burning. Samuel was still in bed in the temple of God where the chest of God rested. Then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, yes, I'm here. And then he ran to Eli saying, I I heard you call, here I am. And Eli said, I I didn't call you, go go back to bed. And so he did. And God called again, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Oh, I I heard you call, here I am. Again, Eli said, son, I didn't call you, go back to bed. Now this all happened before Samuel knew God for himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to him personally. And God called again, Samuel, (laughs) the third time. Yet again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Yes, I heard you call me. Here I am. And that's when it dawned on Eli that God was calling the boy. So Eli directed Samuel, go back and lie down. If the voice calls again, say, speak, God. I'm your servant, ready to listen. And Samuel returned to his bed. Then God came and stood before him exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, I am your servant, ready to listen. God said to Samuel, Listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that is going to shake everyone up and get their attention. And we'll just pause it right there. Talk about some issues with hearing God's voice. (laughs) And I can't blame him, he probably was you know, young, maybe not even in his teens at the time. But a little background is in order here. See, this is a historical account from the Old Testament. It was kind of unusual for another reason. See, throughout all of Scripture up to this point, God had actually spoken one way, directly and audibly, <laughs> with Moses and Joshua, the men that he had appointed to lead the Israelites. But after Moses and Joshua passed from God's scene, God's spoken word became rare in the three centuries of rule by the judges. And in fact, by Eli's time, he's the Hebrew priest in this passage, by the way. This is not sure for like Elijah, this is Eli the priest. No prophets were speaking God's messages to Israel. Why? Well, for one, the people were actually refusing to listen to God. They they heard his direction, all right, but they just refused to obey it. And they ignored what God told them. And so God was like, okay, why bother? <laughs> they also let their hearts drift. Eli's son's the best example of that. They actually actually worked in the temple, in the house of God, and they used their positions to get rich, to kind of skim off the top and indulge their greed, okay? Kind of like a televangelist kind of thing. So you can kind of understand why, according to verse 1, this was at a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. You can go ahead, Carol. And suddenly, and improbably, though, in the midst of all this silence, there's a breakthrough. There's an exception to the rule. And it happens late one night when God picks up his cell and literally calls this young boy Samuel. Why Samuel? Well, here's what we know about Samuel. The boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. That is, although he was still a child, his life was completely devoted to God's service. It was about one thing. And this is strange because one would naturally expect an audible message from God if you're going to give it to someone, how about a priest who was older and more experienced and actually had the official title and position? But God says, "No, no, 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 no." There's one here whose heart is actually devoted to me. See, God's chain of command and his calling plan is actually based not on age, not on position, not how long you've been a Christian or in the religious game, but on faith. And in finding faithful servants, God may use all sorts of unexpected channels. And he chooses this boy named Samuel, who likely slept there in the temple next to the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence. And what happens next is kind of comical. Look at this. It says, one night, Eli was sound asleep. His eyesight was very bad. He could hardly see. It was well before dawn, and the sanctuary lamp was still burning. In other words, Eli, the pastor, is dozing off. (laughs) Physically and spiritually, he's not paying attention. He's not awake to what God's doing. He can't see or he can't hear, which is a picture of the spiritual condition of most of Israel at the time. Now, on the other hand, it says Samuel was, what's the word? Because with an S, still in bed. And you're kind of like, oh, still in bed, like he'd been there for a long time. Uh-uh. <laughs> now, this is a paraphrase, so you don't understand kind of the verb tenses. But the idea is he was still, in other words, not moving, but lying awake in his bed. In the temple of God, where the chest of God rested. It says, then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here. And he thought it was Eli. So he goes right over and says, I heard you call. Here I am. He said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, punk. And so Samuel did. And in verses 6 and 7, God called again. No, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, I heard you call. Here I am. So this kid, this poor kid is lying there. He's completely still. He is awake. It's the middle of the night, just him in the silence. And God calls his name. Any of you ever have insomnia? What goes through your mind at two a.m. <laughs> as you lay in bed? I hope I'm not awake till three a.m. I hope I'm not awake till three a.m. <laughs> All sorts of things. Now imagine if you're a kid and you hear voices, Samuel. <laughs> you know, would it freak you out, right? Last time I watched, you know, gosh, Arthur at eleven thirty at night. Samuel assumes it's Eli, and he's like, I-, I heard you call, here I am. He has a servant spirit. He goes to see what his earthly master wants. You ever get the sense, by the way, that like, sometimes when you're praying, and you get a kind of an impression, like, I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but you're like, I don't know if that's the voice of God or, like, my own voice. You know, I, and, and you kind of weigh through it, like, why would God tell me to go have more pizza at this moment? <laughs> or why would he wake me up to pray about someone I don't even know? Or is it someone else's voice? Again, this isn't unusual, but it does say something about how well we know God personally. Because the second half of verse 7, look what it says. It says, this all happened before Samuel knew God for himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to him personally. In other words, Samuel had heard about God all his life, maybe like you. He had rubbed elbows with religious people who talked directly to God himself, maybe like you. But this whole thing of actually hearing God's voice is new for him. He'd never done it before. And he didn't know how to respond to God's call. But luckily for him, God was persistent. In verses 8 and 9, it says, God called again, Samuel, the third time. And yet, again, Sam got up, went to Eli, said, yeah, I heard you call me. Here I am. Knock it off. That's when it dawned on Eli that God was calling the boy. So the old man all of a sudden gets it. So Eli directed Samuel, go back and lie down again, still awake. If the voice calls again, say, speak, God, I'm your servant ready to listen. Samuel returned to his bed. And this is where Eli finally steps up to the plate and actually is helpful. Go back and lie down. In other words, be very still. Be awake. Be silent. And invite God to speak. And you do one thing. Listen. If you hear this voice again, you say simply again, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And that's a powerful prayer. Those, that's a prayer. Those short words. God, I am your servant. In other words, my life is at your disposal. And I want you to use me. I am here to listen. That's the only thing I'm doing here today, Lord. Here to listen. And there's something about that short but earnest prayer that opens us up to God in new ways. Verse 10 says, Then God came and stood before him. Exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. And God said, listen carefully, I'm getting ready to do something in Israel, it's going to shake everyone up and get their attention. Folks, in this little vignette, a slice of a little boy's life almost 2,500 years ago, we gain powerful insight into how we're to position ourselves to actually hear from God. And to be used by God to actually answer his prayers. His prayers. Did you know that? That God has prayers. That is, he has desires and dreams for the world too. Not in a needy way, like he's got needs, how can we meet God's needs? But he has desires for your life, for our little church family here, for our world. He is actually intimately involved and wants things to go a certain way. And that's why Jesus instructed us to pray, right? Your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God has a will or a plan, and he wants to see it carried out in the lives of his kids. And if we learn anything from the life of Samuel, it's that God is always speaking to us when we least expect it. He calls each of his servants by name, but too often we're not still enough to actually notice or we get a vague sense of it but we don't respond or we aren't actually willing to take the time to contemplate what he's asking us to do why well for starters a lot of times we have a lot of the wrong purposes in prayer that is and tell me this isn't true and don't you know have to feel guilty about it but most often when we think of prayer we've talked about for three weeks we tend to think prayer is all about who me what god can do for me i mean that's what prayer is about But Samuel challenges us here, and he's like, What if instead prayer is about learning what I can do for God? Because after all, I am your servant available to you. Point? When it comes to hearing God's voice, we put ourselves in a position to best hear clearly when we open up our lives to being used by Him. Do you want to know what the most dangerous prayer is in the entire world? It's got two words. Use me. Use me. I am your servant, first and foremost. I am your child, yes. And I have needs and desires of my own. And I've made them clear to you, and I thank you that you are going to provide for me. But at the end of the day, I want to say something powerful to you, God. I serve you. Not the other way around. So, Lord, use me you think God's going to let a prayer like that go unanswered? Hardly. This is when things get really personal, when he actually begins calling you by your first name, Sam. You call him Daddy, and he calls you not just my son or daughter, but my partner, someone who can be trusted to be about their daddy's business. How have you traditionally viewed prayer? One hand, what God can do for me, or the other hand, what can I do for God here? The second question that many of us have difficulty hearing God's voice is quite honestly that we're quite just too busy. Just too harried to even possibly hear from God, right? Our life is just like jam-packed. You can go ahead, Carol. Things are just going too fast. To be honest, we're not that excited about the idea of slowing it down a notch just to listen for the still, small voice of God. Notice God's voice does come in more of a whisper in the middle of the night to a young boy. Not the busy pastor. That's a rebuke to me. (laughs) Well, this kid is... Simply still, stillness, silence, solitude. Do those things have any place in your life? (laughs) Don't answer out loud. (laughs) I want you to think back to this past week. Last five days. Let's take five days. Yeah. (laughs) Was there any time, any period of more than 30 minutes that you said, this is it, Lord. This is, this is your time. This is your half hour that I'm going to be completely and utterly before you. As I was thinking about this this past week, I was like, I can't talk about this if I don't do that, you know, hypocrisy. So I'm going to do this, Lord. Would you help me? Whatever. And, of course, it's Friday. I'm like, oh, crap. I haven't even done this yet, <laughs> which shows you my own attitude, right? Come on. Terrible. But I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to wait until Friday because I'm actually have to. i commuting into the city on Friday. I had a meeting in the city. So I was like, I'm going to take the train. The train's like an hour and ten minutes. I don't want to talk with anybody else on there, so I might as well talk to God. So I go on the train. This is very early, you know, and, and I, I get on the train, and I sit there, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to kind of chill out here, and I did something really tricky. Ever do this one? You put on your earphones, but you're not really listening to anything. But it says to everyone else, go away. Laughter so I put them on. I'm like, my train time is my own time. And I put the, those earphones on, and uh, and I'm there, and I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, I just kind of pray a little bit. Spend about 10 minutes just trying to pray. But man, it was amazing, because a seat in front of me, this girl, she had her iPod on, and it was definitely on. And you know what she's playing? At 7:45 in the morning, baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. It's like who, who is playing the soundtrack tonight at the Roxbury at 7:45 in the morning, and of course you know what happens—you get that little splinter in your mind. You know that's not going away anytime easy, right? Dear Lord, I ask you. You know. And a PA announcement comes on, it's like, you know, Jersey City, and then a woman gets sick, they have to call an ambulance, it's just like all this craziness going on around me, and the guy next to his seat, man, the minute that PA came, said, we're going to stop actually here, folks. But that happened, man, this guy, you know, he's reading the Times the whole time. I didn't, you know, I think he's like, a you know, he looks like he's about 50 years old. I'm like, you know, he doesn't have, like, gadgets like iPods. All of a sudden, we stop, man. This guy's, you know, Crackberry comes out. He calls his cell phone. He starts calling, dialing everybody. He's like, I'm going to be, you know, seven minutes late. He's like de- e- emailing everybody. It was just like totally frantic. <laughs> and I got there after an hour and ten minutes. My guess is the amount of sustained, silent time with God, maybe three. Maybe. And I get out into Penn Station and get swept along with all the other chums to our busy jobs where all the chaos then really begins. There's a psalm that hints at the centrality of stillness, of silence, and truly getting to know God and hearing his voice. Psalm 4610. It's a very short but profound invitation from Father God to each of us. He says, be still, and know that I am God. And there's something being hinted at here. In other words, you see this? Look at this. Our ability to be still, to simply be silent in the presence of God, is directly proportional to our ability to what? To know him in a personal sense. And everything in modern life sets itself against this iPods, you know, Blackberries, email, voicemail, IM, beepers, pages. We're constantly on call. I turned off my voicemail the other day at the mall, and what comes through? Someone text messages me. More voices than ever going into our ears, and yet hearing less and less of the one voice that truly counts. So what is being still? I mean, it really is about practicing a discipline. I never thought of it this way, but the practicing the discipline of silence of solitude, of actually turning off all the gadgets, all the pressing concerns of the day, even turning off my mind, because sometimes our prayers are just kind of reinforcing all the craziness in our lives. And stepping out of the office, out of our home, out of our routine, and putting ourselves in a position to pay attention to what God is doing. And this can be excruciating. For many of us, being alone or quiet can be scary, (laughs) Yet it's essential if you're going to know God and hear his voice in a way that actually reveals his heart and his plan for your life, his purpose for our days. But on the other hand, I hope you hear this as an incredible invitation from your father because it is an invitation to just kind of pull away. How do you even hear this right now? To stop your clamor, stop your rushing around, and I know the holiday season is upon us, and simply be, be still, be still and know that I am God. In fact, if I even said right now, that's the message. 20 minutes, there will be sustained silence after the man-child is banished from the room. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Totally kidding. You are welcome. Wouldn't you be like, oh, for heaven's sakes, Tim didn't do a message. That's going to be a colossal waste of time. Let's get on with the last song. Just kind of get on here because, you know, I, I am, we're meeting them at Chili's at 6.30. <laughs> How quickly does your mind go to that? When we, this is about putting our lives into perspective, folks, because when you spend time, when you are actually quiet before God, which I had the chance actually to do yesterday. The kids was away for a little bit. I had a wedding to do, but I had a chance, a little bit of time away for myself. And I just spent time like, Lord, I am here, I am ragged, I got some cracks, I feel like I've been ripped this whole week, and just kind of, would you just fill in the, the, the tears? You're going to have to repair some things here in me? When that happens, all of a sudden something amazing happens, we begin shrinking. Our problems begin shrinking, our spirit begins calming, because God is Lord over all. That's actually the rest of this verse, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted over all the earth. And everything begins shrinking back to their true size. And we realize Abba has his hands in everything. And I get a break. And this is kind of interesting. Because the the Latin, anyone know Latin here? Then you won't know if I'm lying or not. This is true. The Latin imperative for be still is vacate. From which we get the word, what do you think? Vacation. Simon Tugwell explains it this way. He says, God invites us to take a holiday, a vacation, to stop being God for a while and let Him be God. Too often we think of prayer as a serious chore, something that must be scheduled around other appointments, shoehorned in among other pressing activities. And we miss the point, says Tugwell. God is inviting us to take a break, to play truant. We can stop doing all those important things that we have to do in our capacity as God, and actually just leave it to Him to be God. Suddenly, prayer, prayer, vacation—what? It sounds, man, who doesn't want that? But it's harder than we think, right? I mean, remember, this isn't about being some spiritual superstar, religious professional, who kind of hermits away in the monastery. In fact, it's, it's Eli who God bypasses when He's looking for someone to talk to. If you flip over the New Testament, you'll see this in the account of two sisters, two women, Mary and Martha. You remember this one? Go ahead, flip there real quick. This is kind of an instructive one. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, again, God appears on the scene because no one in Israel is picking up his calls, and so he actually sends his son for like an in-person visit. And so Jesus shows up, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat... At the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was, mm, how do you say it, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. That's a prayer. (laughs) Lord, would you please help my sister to get off her butt? And (laughs) Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, aren't you? But only one thing is needed and Mary's chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, what had Mary done to receive such a commendation from Jesus where he says, she gets it. She gets the whole point of life, the whole point of this existence of this relationship that I've given her. What'd she do? Answer in verse 39, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, what? Listen, Listening to what, she, what he said. She listened. She made herself available and didn't lift one finger, but simply put herself in the position to hear her Lord's voice. While Martha, on all accounts, <laughs> is busy in the kitchen. She is doing ministry. I mean, if you're going to prepare a meal, prepare one for Jesus, right? Right? Her sister takes the risk of being branded lazy to sit at Jesus' feet, and sure enough, the sister's like, my lazy sister. And Jesus says, ah, one of you did something that's going to last, and is going to nourish you, and the other one, you're just serving hors d'oeuvres, lady. This is the posture that Samuel assumed. It is quiet. It is fully attentive. It's the contemplative life versus the chaotic life. And it's a great warning to those of us who often find ourselves busy serving God, doing good things. And there are many of you who do wonderful things. You know, going to a small group, serving with the kids, writing sermons, planning projects, whatever. But there's a big difference, Jesus tells us, between doing stuff for God and listening to his voice where you actually get to know him and become like him. So on the one hand... We're living according to our version of what we think is useful to God. (laughs) And we're faced with a challenge that perhaps God has an entirely different agenda and idea of how he'd like to use us day to day. Years later, after Samuel had passed from the scene himself, he became a powerful prophet. Another prophet by the name of Isaiah was commissioned by God. And God was looking for someone at the time who genuinely wanted their life to be used by him. And Isaiah 6, 8 records this. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Here I am. Lord, speak. For your servant is listening. Use me. I want to know you. I want to be of use to you. I want to be a servant who takes the time to be still enough to hear your call to me and brave enough to respond. So when God speaks to us, folks, it's not always in the most direct do this, don't do that kind of thing. He's not a dictator. He's much more gracious. And he often likes to probe us to see if he actually can trust us to come through for him and be the answer to his desires. So a lot of times he'll ask a question of us. Who should I send? Are you willing to be the answer to my prayers? I've heard your request. I got it. You know, we, you know, I'll think about the Lexus. Let me Give me some time. But are you willing to actually be the answer to my prayers? Because I have desires that my kingdom comes and my will gets done in this earth. And I want to see if you're into that. As I alluded at the beginning, prayer is not just about making our hearts known to God, but about God making his heart known to us. And when those hearts... When they collide and in a mysterious way that can only happen through prayer, when they meld and become like one in heart, that really is truly knowing someone, isn't it? That's intimacy. One fleshness, two minds become one will. Two hearts become a singular passion and we are changed by it. Point is, when God called to Samuel in the temple and when God called to Isaiah, who should I send? Listen, we realize he's saying, I want to answer some prayers and I want to do it In other words, when you pray a prayer, are you willing to be part of the answer? I actually have this written on a yellow Post-it note stuck to my computer screen. Can't remember where I got it. It says this, never pray any prayer that you're not willing to be the answer to. How many prayers would that have eliminated for you this week? It's amazing when you think about it. Because if you think about it in light of all we've been asking God about over the last month as a congregation, it's quite a challenge. In other words, I heard you. You want your marriage to be healed. How willing would you be, I know you've been hurt, to take the initiative and actually be the one who reaches out and extends the olive branch? To break the wall of silence that's been erected. Whoa, 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 me? Lord, that is not my fault. I know, I know, the only thing harder than hearing God's voice is actually responding to it. Or maybe you've been praying for something that you know is on God's heart. I pray for the salvation of my family and my coworkers. I mean, Lord, I love those guys. I just want them to come to know you the way I do. And God's like, awesome. I want the same thing. Question for you. Are you willing to be the answer to both our prayers and take a risk and share your faith openly with them? Or are you just kind of waiting for someone else to do it? Never pray any prayer that you're not willing to be the answer to. God has desires. He has dreams of his own, and he wishes to share them with his children. That's natural of any parent. And scripture says that the eyes of God actually move back and forth throughout the land over the whole world, searching, scourging the place for someone who dares to pray the two most powerful words in all of the kingdom, use me. Here I am, Lord. Lord. Your servant's listening, and I want to hear what's on your heart, and I want to do something about it. We've done some praying over the last year as a church, and um, just kind of asking ourselves what it is that God wants us to be about, right? What does he want us to invest our time and our lives, our energies towards? Because it's not just about what we do on Sunday, but about making his presence visible in the world around us. That's what the kingdom of God is about. And if you spend any time at Liquid, you know pretty quickly that we're a church that's passionate about, for instance, outreach about serving the community around us. Not just because we're kind, but Jesus came to serve. And we're committed to evangelism. We're just kind of spreading the news that God loves all people, accepts them just as they are, no strings attached, to people who don't know about it yet. Who have a distorted view of God that thinks he's judging me, he wants to punish me, he wants to just hammer me. And we're committed to being the, the kind of church that only God can get credit for. In other words, not just doing like cool or innovative stuff that, like, gets applause, but the kind of church that people look at, and even if they don't believe 90% of the stuff we believe, they have to look at it and just kind of shake their heads and say, I, you know, God must be leading them. I don't know what's going on, because the lives that are changed at that place, you can't manufacture that. It's got to be a God thing. I don't know what God that is, but something's happening there. Outreach, evangelism, and growing people, changing lives from inside out. And the reason those things are close to our heart is because we've spent some time listening to God. Actually reading His words and praying about it. And He's clearly revealed that these are the things that He's about. And so, as we were thinking of a way to kind of conclude our emphasis on prayer this fall, we want to share with you our prayer list. This is a prayer list actually of of, of my own. And in fact, it's in your um, pews there. Is that right, Mike? I think we actually have some, a stack of them. And I want you to pass them out. looks like a skinny, Mike, you got those? Where are those at, Mike? On the right side of the aisle, on the outside of the aisle, would you pass those down? This is not just any prayer list. This is not a catalog of all the personal concerns that so many of you shared on the Liquid Church blog, which were awesome. But rather, it's a list of the things that we know are first and foremost on God's heart. And we wanted to share it with you, because we're a family, so that it can invite all of us to unite together in prayer for the things that God wants to do among us in the months ahead. And this is some stuff that I'm personally praying for, and it's also a list of the prayers that quite possibly some of you might be the answer to. You'll notice that the first is outreach. If you open this up, we've just got three. We're like, let's not just get a laundry list, but let's just put a few of them here. You'll notice that the first one is outreach. And we take our cue in outreach. I mean, that's, you know, that name. What even is outreach? But we take our cue from Matthew twenty twenty eight, where Jesus says, oh, the disciples, they, they miss it. they like, no, 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 no. I did not come to be served. That's not the kind of king I am, but I came to serve. And so that's one of the things that you know we do quarterly. In your bulletin, you, um, and if you have your bulletin also in front of you, there's some things that we stuck in that that are going to relate to this. Many of you signed up last week for our gas buy-down that is happening next Sunday. Gas, grace, God's love. In other words, we rented out the Exxon right down here on Valley Road, two miles away, and $4,000 of gas we bought so we could serve, hopefully, between three to four, maybe 500 of our neighbor's giving them free gas, not free gas, 99 cents a gallon. <laughs> it's the best we could afford. And actually just washing their windshields and just loving on them and giving them hot cider and coffee, and that's it. Why? Because God cared. We care. That's it. And the neat thing was, last week, many of you picked this thing up, this, uh, this flyer, and you filled it out, and you signed up maybe for the hospitality team. You're like, I can do it. I could actually, instead of going to a service, I could serve them next week. And some of you served that, signed up for the car service team. You're like, oh, I'm going to wash windshields. And some of you were like, I, I could be a friend. I'm not afraid to talk to people. And I'd be happy to tell them that we're doing this because God loves them. It's a big deal, but I can do it. And some of you signed up to pray for people. In other words, we know that God's going to bring people who have cares and concerns that they wonder if anyone else cares about. And they may be thinking they're going to get free gas, but they get something better. They get touched and encouraged by people who have been intimate with God. So, the neat thing is we had about 180 people sign up for this. And um, last week, but we know not everybody got a chance to. You'll have another chance to sign up for this tonight. After you pray and think about this and think, might God want to use me next week? Not, I, wouldn't, I don't know, on Sunday, we're not going to have church, so I could probably, we could probably go down the shore, you uh, know. Not now, but, or to the mountains, whatever it is. Pick your season. Um, but I wonder if I should be there because God, do you want to use me that day? Speak. If your servant's listening. We had a newspaper reporter call this week. They got a hold of this flyer somewhere. (laughs) And they called because they want to find out what's the deal. And the question honestly was, she said, what kind of church gives away gas? (laughs) And I said, liquid. (laughs) Liquid. Our goal is that we hope to serve at least 500 people who have never been touched by people who care with God's love free of charge and just care for them, love on them, and pray for any concerns or cares they have and just show them that someone cares and then actually invite them to church in December. And so our prayer, what we're asking you to pray specifically for this week is God, how do you want to use me to serve my community? If you signed up, you don't have to do that again tonight. If you didn't sign up, you can just check the box and put this in the offering when we close in a few minutes. Or maybe you can't make it next time. You're like, you know what, though? It's not a week off for me. I'm praying. I'm totally covering you guys. I'm going to ask God to show up. And I'm going to ask a spirit to be there to protect you guys, to be with the people, to touch hearts. Because that's one of our core purposes, that God's desire is that we serve others just as Jesus served. So are you the answer to his prayer? Now, the second prayer emphasis that we have on here, as you notice, is evangelism, or taking up Jesus' mantle of reaching out to our lost friends, family, and neighbors and share with them the good news that actually there is a God who cares and wants to talk with them. And God has made this desire known in Luke 14. This is a great, I can't even get into this parable, I preached that one time, but it's in, Jesus says, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. In other words, God's deepest desire is that people come to his house who don't even know him, welcome to the feast, get to rub elbows with some of his people and say, oh my gosh, they're not totally insane after all. There is a king who cares and these people aren't just drinking Kool-Aid. I have to rethink my life. We got a pretty simple strategy for that. You probably know what we call it. It's our invest and invite strategy. It's not that complicated. It's do you have a friendship with someone who doesn't know God? I hope so. Because that's your most important relationship with your coworker, with your friend, with your neighbor, and actually you're going to leverage that. And when that happens, it's a simple thing: inviting them to church. Amazing things happen. Last month, we got an email from a gal who um, someone reached out and invited them actually to uh, to our um, our previous series. Uh, actually, it was the beginning of the prayer series, the first week, and. Um, we send out, I sent out an email just saying, hey, I'm so glad you came. Is there anything we can do for you? How was the service? Did you like it? What would we do wrong? How can we help you? And, um, and she wrote, she said, hey, Tim, thanks for asking. Yes, on all counts, I found your church um, meaningful, very relevant, and I had a great time. I live next door to Matt and Liz, who shared their excitement and enthusiasm about Liquid and how really different church can be. My daughter, Haley, who's age four, attended Liquid Kids a few times with the Wiley's Kids. And I was finally able to attend for the first time on Sunday. In a word, wow. Wow, 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 wow. For some reason, I had a constant stream of tears welling up in my eyes during the service, which has persisted periodically since Sunday. See, I was so touched by the sense of community and excitement, the amazing soul-shaking music, and a message about prayer that establishing a connection to God is possible for anyone. I was one of those too embarrassed to admit to be on the zero calling plan with the dial tone, no connection happening whatsoever. For most of my life, I've had a hard time accepting the truth of God. I thought church was for the birds. And there must be something either wrong with me or wrong with the billions of people who believe. When you shared the nuance of what Jesus taught, in particular that Abba means daddy, and all the other angles from which we explored why people may have a hard time praying and just making time to be yourself with God, it helped me overcome some of the barriers I didn't even realize I had. I'm not quite sure I'm entirely there yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing more in the weeks to come. Thanks for all that you do. And I said, Jill, I didn't do Jack. The Wileys took a risk, and God's Spirit did the rest. That's what it's about, folks. Investing in relationships with people who aren't here yet and simply inviting them to come to a place where God's Spirit is given permission to move Who are the other Jills in your life? Who's Jill in your life? Where has God strategically placed you to make an impact? Where are you going to be tomorrow, Monday? What faces come to mind? Who is going to be in your classroom? You're going to have another chance in two short weeks on the 3rd of December as we kick off a special Christmas message series called Experience the Nativity. And I want you to pull this one out of your bulletin right now. Because we give you a tool. We're like, we don't just tell you about church. We want to say, hey, Christmas, we know December, people are more open than ever to come to church. We know that for a fact. And so we wanted to do something that touches people right where they're at and gets them to see Christmas through fresh eyes. This one is actually going to be based on the Nativity Story, which is a major Hollywood film that is currently coming out. And I'm going to ask Carol if she would go ahead and play that trailer for us.
1: Not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will give birth to a son, Elizabeth. Why is it me, God has asked? I am nothing. Oh, child. A husband has been chosen for me. How was he to believe this? Do you know how much disgrace you have
0: brought upon yourself, upon Joseph,
1: Mary? have broken no vow. Women have been put to death for this. You believe me? Yes. The angel came to me in my dream. In the name of King Herod and the almighty Caesar, each man will return to the land of his ancestors. I must travel to Bethlehem. I'm going with my husband. such a giant. I wonder if I will not even be able to teach him anything. I will end this threat to my rule. I ask not your home but any place you have. place the is there a place for us?
0: what if this was the first Christmas that your neighbor, your coworker, your Jill in your life learned that Christmas wasn't just about crowded malls, tacky tinsel, and stale fruitcake? That something extraordinary happened. And they saw it brought to them in 3D life. This is probably the first time this has been done with a major motion picture. It's being released on Friday on the 1st. And we actually already have live clips from it that they sent in advance to churches because there was a Christian producer who said, we want to make this real for people who don't believe yet. And so this series that we're kicking off on the 3rd of December will actually feature live clips from the movie while it's actually still in the movies. And so the question is, could it be that God would answer, you're the answer to God's prayer, that he would want to use you strategically in a relationship or a friendship you have? With a family member, a coworker, a neighbor who might be open for some reason because in December people sometimes instinctively think, ah, I should get back to church in all this chaos. It was amazing. You guys know my friend Phil. Remember Phil? How many were here when Phil came? How many? Oh, great, okay, Phil. How many times did I have to invite Phil before Phil came? Three formally, about nine informally. And finally he came. And the coolest thing about him coming was he hasn't come back yet. That's okay. Because something's happened here, hasn't it, Kathy? Last night, Kathy and Terry were out with Phil and Alita. Because Phil said, I thought church didn't talk about real stuff. I go, oh, we have a different kind of church. And he said, well, how can I get more of that? Do I have to come every Sunday? I said, no, 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 no. You just get to know some of our people. And so he's like, where does that happen? Well, we have this thing called small groups. What's small groups about? We just hang out smaller. <laughs> and so he's begun forging a friendship with Kathy and Terry and went out last night to talk about real life stuff. That's what it's about. That's evangelism, folks. It's saying, use me. Use my life, Lord, and use the people that I know. And that's an amazing thing, because it's like, I've been praying for my friend Phil. I took a little risk in leveraging our friendship, and guess what? God answered my prayer. (laughs) God laid him on my heart. I began asking God about him in prayer, and God chose me to help be part of the answer. He's asking the same thing of you. Maybe that's the area. The last biggie that we're praying about this year, as you know, is the liquid launch. Unless you've been under a rock, you know we're relocating in 2007. We're expanding and we're finding a new church venue in which we can do two things. Open up Sunday morning services to reach more people who aren't here yet and expand our children's ministry. And God's already come through for us in this because it is going to take a lot of money and a lot of muscle and people are already responding. But I just wanted to show you, because again, because I kind of get privy to this kind of stuff and I don't share it all the time, but... Kind of a weird thing happened this week. I got an email from a lady who does our books. And she said, um, she said, we had a little issue in the online giving this week. Um, somebody donated twice on the same day. And I figured it was an error. So I wanted to write him and tell him, oh, you know, you gave twice to Liquid. Um, and you should probably see, and in, 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 um, I don't know what you want to do about this. The guy wrote back, and he actually was like, um, no, that wasn't any mistake. I had to give twice because the Internet was down in Baghdad the week before. So she sent me the email string. It's by a guy by the name of James Parnell at us.army.mil. It says, Betty, thanks for your concern. I appreciate your email. I actually did mean to donate twice. See, I want to thank you for your support and all of the ministry that your church, Liquid, provides. See, it's very difficult to find a church when you can stick with what you got in the military, especially with multiple wars going on simultaneously. I've never actually been to your church. I was trained in Kentucky, but I listen in the desert. Because of constant moving or deploying to the ends of the earth, the difficult task of finding a church that has a voice and a tempo that you can recognize and relate to and a message that's applicable to your life is made even more difficult when you can't stay for a good length of time. Liquid. Because whether I'm in Kentucky going to the church near my house on Sunday or I'm in the middle of the desert, I listen to the podcast whenever I want. And I'm really, really excited about everything God's doing. So believe me, I appreciate it. This was no mistake. I'm also very excited about you guys launching out. I hope God blesses your ministry and continues doing great things through you all. Man's never been here. He was in the military somewhere in in the desert. In Iraq says, use me, use me. And that kind of stuff happens, you know, all the time. But it's, you got a connection card someone filled out, a couple filled out a couple of weeks ago. And um, they said their next step, they said for this liquid launch, is that they've been praying about it and they're going to donate 10% of their wedding money. To liquid, They're getting married later this month, to the launch. Because they want to be about what God's doing. Use me. So when you have that stuff, <laughs> are we listening? Are you listening to what God's doing and saying, speak, because I'm your servant and I'm listening. I want to be about what you're already doing, God. You guys know on these envelopes that we put in your... Your bulletin there. They have a verse on it <laughs> and it's the verse, of a beautiful verse from 2 Corinthians where Paul says this, he said, you must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. No pressure, no guilt, not allowed. Because my Father loves the person who gives cheerfully. Have you spent time praying about that? We're not asking anybody to just like Give money or just cut a check if you could. We just need this. Im- no, we're asking something more dangerous. Would you pray and ask God what He wants you to give this Christmas? Maybe it's not even money. Someone came up to Mike this week and was like, I have, my dad was talking with me and he's like, he has some stocks and like he doesn't, he wants to get a tax write off for them or whatever. He's like, you guys take stocks? And we're like, Do we take stocks, Mike? Yeah, Mike's like, yeah, we take stocks. (laughs) So if you have that issue, you see Mike. (laughs) Never, ever pray a prayer that you're not willing to be the answer to. Outreach, evangelism, stewardship. Those are three things we know are on God's heart. Are you willing to be still enough to hear his voice and say those risky words, use me? Because maybe, maybe he will... Hear your voice and respond to your call. And that's when the adventure starts, folks. We want to end tonight by taking some time for silence, appropriately slow, just to clear some room for God to speak to you. If you have a pen or a pencil or something, you can have it in front of you because maybe he's brought to your mind the face of the persons, your Jill, who he wants to reach this December. Who are you going to invite on 12-3? And write it in right here. You're not going to hand this in, but if God's burning that person on your mind, write it down. Write their names in your prayer list and bring that invite card with you to work tomorrow by all means, for heaven's sakes. To say, you know what, we'll go actually with you to dinner on the, on, on the 1st. We'll go out to dinner on Friday and then you come hear this message on Sunday. Or if you haven't signed up for the outreach, you can do that tonight. Fill out your form, put it in the offering. Or maybe God's been speaking to you about financially partnering with us, reaching those who aren't here yet in 2007, and you just need to hear from him. Lord, how much? How, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do to help grow this church? So take some time right now to listen for God's voice. Whatever impressions that he gives you, I want to encourage you to write them down and don't leave without doing that. And then you take this prayer list home. This is one of those you stick on the fridge. (laughs) All right, don't throw it out. We don't want to find them under the pews. Tape it to the bathroom mirror, use the magnets, put it on the fridge and pray. Would you pray about it this week? What God's doing in us as a family. But for now, let's be quiet. Let's just have some stillness so that we can hear from our Father.
1: Thank you. still and know that he is God be still
0: Together. If you can hold up this prayer list, that's our family prayer list. You just hold that up. You want to hold it up? If you've got it, got it, hold it up want to see him. Let's pray. Lord, we want more than anything. be useful to you. And so we say, Lord, use me. Let's say that together. Use me. Amen. Be seated. I'm going to dismiss you now. I'm taking the risk of disturbing what God's saying to you. We quickly mention, um, we hope that you don't feel any remotely any pressure, one way or the other, to get involved. All we're about is giving opportunities for God's Spirit to do what He wants. That's what our church is about. And we hope you get on board with that. That's our, that's our desire, to be used together by God. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward to receive our offering. And in that offering, you can put a couple things you could put your, um, your sign-up for, um, for the gas buy-down because there is no service next week. I hope you don't show up at church. But I hope you're there and you actually will be the church out in the community two miles from down here. You guys can go ahead and, and pass those, those, uh, those bags. Or you could put um, your offerings, your tithes, whatever it is that you support our ministry with, and we're grateful to that. But we want you to know this is, a, this, is a, this is a special offering that you can hand in at any time, and we'll be collecting through the 31st. Um, you can send it in by mail. These are no postage necessary, so you literally just drop that in the mail, and, uh, and we'll pay the money on that. But we thank you for your support of that. Um, you can go ahead, Carol, just a couple of other items um, as the ushers uh, come down. Go ahead, Carol, one more. Keep going. We know that. Oh, yeah, 10 to 2. Um, Next week, because we've already had, like I said, about 186 people sign up, and we'd expect more tonight. It'll probably be over 200 people. We're going to do it in shifts so that you actually have some hand-to-hand contact with the people who we're serving. We don't want to overwhelm people and have all 200 people show up at once. Glenn was a little bit worried about this. And we'll have some police there who are doing car management and kind of crowd control. But you'll be getting an email by Tuesday um, with directions as to what team you're on, and whether you're going to come from tw- 10 to 12 noon, or you're going to come from 12 noon to 2 p.m., or whenever the gas runs out. And, um, and if you can't make that, that's fine. You just simply reply back, send it to Mike, and, uh, and he'll schedule you. We'll schedule around you. We don't want that to be hard and fast. But we want it to be a time where we're really the hands and feet, and we're interacting with people who maybe are a million miles away from God and don't think anyone cares, and they're dreading the Christmas season. Because they're either feeling, I'm going to be all alone. Christmas is like the loneliest time of the year for some people. Or, Maybe there's like, I'm going to get washed away in a tidal wave. The shopping, all the madness, the money, all that. And finally, somebody says, no, there's something, it's, it's about more than that. And I want to invite you. So um, you'll be getting that email by, uh, by Tuesday. You can go ahead, Carol. Last thing, quickly mention that Christmas series begins on 12-3. But if you look on the back of that nativity card, I can't find it. I've got so many stuff up here. Whatever. Flip on the back of that nativity card. You'll notice, thanks, Greg. Can I grab that? Thank you. It says on Christmas Eve, yeah, we're going to have one service at 5 p.m. Because we know people like to bring their families, particularly on Christmas Eve. How many of you celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve? How many of you are Italian? The big fish dinner. We're not going to have the big fish dinner here. But we are going to have a great um, service that's particularly oriented to people who are here for the first time and want to hear about God's love in a really accessible way. I'm really gearing that message towards that. So any night that you can bring them throughout December is awesome, but it's going to culminate in a candlelight service at 5 p.m. What better way to kind of end the year together? So hope that you'll uh, be there for that. And if you need more of these postcards, we have whole piles and stacks of them out in the foyer. So if you had other people to invite, great. If you're a newcomer, we have other treats for you, bags for you to take on the way out. They have information about our church. They have gifts for you. We don't want anything from you but your heart, and we want to care for you. That's what we're about. So grab those bags on the way out. Say, I'm a newcomer to Mike or any of the ladies out there. Hi, ladies. And, uh, and you can grab those bags on your way out. God bless you as you go. We want to thank you for coming. And we will see you next week at the pumps. God bless you.